0: Welcome to Profits Affogato, a podcast all about growing a profitable business that pours over into your life. I'm your host, Sarah Verheyen, online entrepreneur, wife, and mom to two littles. I'm the owner of Marish Books, where we help small business owners embrace the numbers side of their business. Whoever you are, you're welcome here. So pour a cup of coffee and join me for inspiration and action steps to cultivate the business of your dreams while living your ideal life. Welcome back. Today, I have Kendall Cherry here, who is the founder and creative director of the Candid Collective, and she's on a mission to create a world that's more candid and kind. Kendall and her team create copy and content for all kinds of businesses. They've written for multi seven-figure software companies, strippers and sex-positive CEOs, media empires with 100K-plus email lists, and many other virtual service providers, all while sounding exactly like who they're writing for. Thank you so much for being here, Kendall.
1: Hi, I'm so happy, so grateful to be here and and chatting with you about all things CFO and bookkeeping and finances.
0: (laughs) Yes, Kendall and I have been connected for a few months now, Um, gosh, like seven, eight months. And she's also a client of mine. And so today I wanted to start with your story about how you got to where you are today with a copywriting agency. Um, Do you want to start with what you were doing before your business?
1: Yeah, so I, before becoming an entrepreneur and before that was ever like anything on my path, I was working in corporate America, classic. Um, and I was working at a Fortune 100 tech company. I'd been there about five and a half years. And I was doing in, basically internal communication, so all kinds of. Um, Presentations, email newsletters, just like anything that needed words on it, on behalf of the SVP that I worked for, we basically did that. So, kind of an in-house uh, communications team. I was on a really small team, so it was very, very startupy, uh, kind of like an entrepreneurial, I'll say. Um, and then on my last kind of stint, and where I kind of discovered and got the, I think, the courage to actually start a business. and my last, like you know, my last go before I was really over corporate, I was in um, what's called ERP transformation. So enterprise resource planning, um, which is basically a fancy way of saying the whole IT backend of a company. So the company I was working for was going from like 13 different systems that they'd acquired over the years and trying to morph it into one system. So I was the global head of training. And so my job is making sure all of these people on all of these different systems and all these different time zones and languages and like departments, uh, basically learned how to use the new system. So my job was kind of going in designing all the training and stuff for, um, you know, the the main stuff, like how to use the system, how to log in, that kind of thing. And then also working really closely with the teams all over the world to come up with specific training and communications plans for them. So I kind of, I used to joke, I was like, I'm not an IT person, but I learned very quickly how to speak nerd. Um, <laughs> so I did, I did those things. I had a team of uh, three direct reports, but a lot of like cross-functional, highly complex projects and stuff. Um, But I just wasn't really happy. But I I found in that role, I kind of discovered like, oh, I can have an idea and bring it to life. And I kind of learned all of these entrepreneurial skills on the project that I think gave me the confidence to finally be like, oh, this is something I could like potentially do. I'd always like wanted to start a business. And that was something that kind of always been in the back of my head. But I just thought You know, I had the white collar dream. I had a six figure salary. Like girls like me, don't start businesses. They're supposed to like be like grateful that they're the first one in their family to go white collar. My my parents were both blue collar workers, and you know, I just kind of decided like my path was going to end up looking a little bit differently. And it's been a journey I've been through. Like I think this is my sixth business model uh, in three years of entrepreneurship, but it's finally kind of sticking and and everything. But that's kind of what I was doing before. It was like, it was communicating, it was writing, uh, almost like on behalf of what I do now is on behalf of founders, but it was on behalf of executives back then. So it's kind of funny how kind of full circle things end up becoming when you, you know, lean into what you're kind of meant to be doing.
0: So what was it that made you want to go out on your own? Um, from corporate?
1: I think, I mean, like a lot of people, I wanted more financial freedom. I had experienced a lot of promotions really quickly. So I, I think in the end, I'd been there about five and a half years and I was getting promoted internally, like every year to year and a half. And it was great, but I kept running up against this this wall of, oh, I like, I think at one point I was called like a money hungry millennial by one oh of my, my men- gosh. One of my mentors. Yeah. Um, because I was, I, especially at the the very last project that I was in, everyone was calling me like a job hopper because I'd done this thing for an SVP. And then I decided I wanted to do it like globally for the company and um wasn't given a raise because it was. It was like a really small raise is because they thought I hadn't like put in my time or whatever. But by the time I got to my last job, I, I had experienced basically being the youngest person on our project by about 15 years. And the job I was scoped for, uh, I, I didn't enjoy. I'd kind of known like I didn't want to do internal communications anymore. And so it was used against me. And they had said like, okay, you're going to be a job hopper. You'd only been in the previous role for a year. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move you to this one. But in doing so, you have to keep the same uh, pay and level, and which I was fine with at first because I wanted an, a, like a stretch opportunity and everything, but it was an ex- insane project. Um, and I ended up like the more I got a hang of it, it was like my team wasn't doing any of the work like VPs and SVPs, when things would go wrong, would come to me to fix things and like be the one to execute on everything. And over time, I remember having a mentor who was like, you should really like check in on your job scope of like what your job level is actually at and versus what it was originally scoped at. And when I started exploring that, I realized like I was on paper, two levels below what the job role was actually at in the level of work I was doing. So I basically had to go in and be like, look, like, I understand that this was the, you know, the dynamic or whatever, but I had to go to HR and basically advocate for myself. And I, I remember it was like this big deal. Like everyone was like, oh, you have to wait your turn. Like you've only been here five years. And I'd been at the company for, you know, for a while, but I didn't understand how, I almost felt like I was being punished because I was so fast, which I mean, knowing what we know now, like I'm an entrepreneur, like in my blood. Um, so I, I move really fast. I sprint through things. I pick things up and nuance things, even if I'm not like an IT person. And I felt like in that environment, I was being like punished for it versus like in entrepreneurship. Like that's how you grow businesses quickly. And that's how you're able to iterate. And like I said, I've been through several business models at this point And it's almost like, Like that's the whole point is having that like agility to be able to pivot when you need to. But in that environment, I was kind of being like stifled because of it. And I just kind of had this, I remember having this feeling of like, this is stupid. Like I'm going to do the same thing for the rest of my life. Like basically hoping that someone sees the value in me and that will determine like my worth for one, one paycheck or like one way of getting paid. Like Mm -hmm. that's dumb. And I just remember like, I was so fired up. And so one day I got, I got really pissed. I can be a, I'm a Leo. So I have my moments where I'm a little feisty. I just remember one day I was like really pissed. I locked myself in a conference room during lunch and I literally Googled like, do you need a certification to be a coach? And then I figured out the answer was no. Like there was this whole online coaching industry. I I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck this. I'm out. (laughs) Like I I'm about to, you know, I'm going to make all you haters sorry. Like I, I remember just being like, I I'm like such a bone to pick and that, that kind of started it all. I've been humbled in the process for sure. But um, it's, it's kind of, for me, I think it was the freedom. It was the ability to come up with an idea and actually like make it happen. I would experience a lot of like, Oh, Kindle's the ideas person, but you know, we don't have the budget or like, we don't have the people to make that happen. Or it's like, well, we've never done that before. So we're going to like play it safe. And I was the one over here with like, like very polarizing, very innovative ideas that people loved, but still kind of outside of their comfort zone. And I just, I just knew like the, like my purpose and on this planet, like I've just felt this way for a long time. Like I've I've known I'm supposed to do something big and I just knew it wasn't, you know, inside of the, the walls and confines of a corporate cubicle that was just like not not the path. So, um, I think those kind of things came together and crystallized to be what, what, what has happened now, which is this like crazy innovative, um, you know, space that I like to play in usually.
0: Yeah. I mean, knowing you now, I've only ever known you as an entrepreneur, but I can't picture you in a corporate role. (laughs) And I definitely experienced that too. And I think most people in corporate do with, um, having these great ideas and everybody agreeing, like, yeah, they're so great, but, um, did I freeze again? Ah, it's so frustrating until, but I finished my, okay. I think many people have experienced that of being in corporate roles and having these great ideas that everybody agrees with, but there's nothing they can do. Like everybody's hands are tied. And the frustration of that is definitely something that I think drives a lot of people to start their own businesses.
1: Yeah, totally. I had a I had a few friends in corporate while I was there. And I, I remember one day in particular, I had a someone who is probably was probably in Houston, like one of my best friends, and we just happened to work together. But we would like she would kind of be like, you know, if I'm the visionary, she was my integrator. But internally, for a lot of like events and stuff, so she'd come to me for like, what's some crazy thing we could do for an event, and I'd come with it and be like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but this is just my idea, and then she would go and make it happen. So we we'd worked very closely, um, and I just remember there was one day I was in that that role I described at the end where I was totally overworked, and I was sitting in the cafeteria working away on some like stupid PowerPoint, and she comes up to me and she's like, dude. I don't know what you need to do, but she was like, your face literally looks different in here than when you're outside because you look so miserable. Like you have to get out. I was like, (laughs) yeah, I think that is like, just, just how different it could feel. And she could like, hear me talk about like my ideas and my business and all those things. And just the, like, it's so interesting. Like even to the point where like where your face like looks different because it's like constantly frowning or like stressed out. Like, I think that for me was kind of when I realized like, okay, is, is this worth it? Like I was making great money, but I was so miserable and like the hours were shitty and I was working, like the team was global. So I'd work with people in Europe, which means 6am calls. And then I'd work with people in Asia, which means 8pm calls. So you never really like, you never really shut off or it's like, oh, I get two hours. Or I, I remember like at its worst, I would like, okay, got to cook dinner at 2 PM. And then I'll just reheat it later because (laughs) that's what the schedule looks like. And it, it just like, wasn't, wasn't sustainable, wasn't well-managed. And I, I, again, knowing what we know now about me and I, I did have some mentors that kind of like embraced my entrepreneurial side, but like when I started saying like, Hey, I want to leave. Like I had one of my like closest mentors be like, What do you think you're doing? Like, who do you think you are? I'm like, why do you only like me in the confines of this corporate self? Like I'm expansive and abundant. Like I can do anything. And I just remember feeling like I'm I'm just not wired like that. I don't think. And I tried so hard to fit into that box that eventually I was like, fuck it. Like this isn't worth it. I'm so unhappy. And it's been a like very challenging journey. And you, I mean, you know, my story, it's been just like very up and down, but still as much as, and like as challenging as it's been, I still wouldn't change it. And I I'm absolutely doing the right thing for me. It's just like the path to that. And just like the grind of it all is, has just been just a very Interesting story. I didn't think this is how it was going to go, of course, but it w- worth it I think to to learn the lessons along the way too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm very glad you didn't listen to that coworker who didn't believe in you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think so yeah, me too. When
0: people say that it's just their own limitations that they're projecting onto you. Um, totally. So how let's talk about your business now. How like how was it um, with the mindset of starting your own business, and how was that going? And how did you get to where you are today with your agency model? And then we can talk about that a little bit more too.
1: It's been just kind of this journey of of really coming back to like what I'm actually good at and what I actually enjoy. So when I first started, I was doing like coaching and consulting with people, which I was good at. But I found I am an introvert, which most people don't believe, but I am also a good communicator. So it kind of cancels out. Um, but I think for me, I, I don't know. I just, I I liked it, but it wasn't a hundred percent serving me. I was super drained trying to sell things. And that was kind of what I was doing when I first left my corporate job. And then it quickly like stopped working where I was like, shit, I need to like figure something else out or I'm going back to corporate. Um, and so I just kind of decided like, what if I were to lean into this whole, copywriting thing this communication thing that I'd been doing but I think for so long like I'd felt like my identity as a writer like I honestly didn't even call myself a writer until January of 2021 like I did not identify with that phrase which is totally stupid because <laughs> I was like the kid writing stories in fourth grade that my teacher would send off to local writing competitions because they were good but I just never I think something happened for me where it's like my love of writing became the way in which I made money. And so very quickly, that just wasn't something that I thought like, oh, I could start a business around that or like, or that it would be fun because it would no longer be like just something expressive, which I mean, knowing what we know now, like that you can do anything you want and, you know, anything's possible. But um, I I think around that time, um, I think around that time that uh, I'll say like May of 2021, things had, had kind of stalled out and I needed to do something. So I was like, well, we're going to do one, one last try at copywriting and just see what happens. And then it was like, I think my first month out, I'd made like 10 K like my very first month, which was like so strange. And I was like, okay, maybe this is supposed to be the thing. And it's been, you know, some, there were still some like hard months, especially with being in the startup phase. And I still have some like weird months every now and then, but it's, definitely been like growth wise this is profitable this is sustainable um and something that feels really good for me like i love my my team and and i think for me as i kind of move into the agency model it's interesting like always kind of trying to take a look at what it is that you're good at and and what feels aligned for you because i think you know i am good at coaching and consulting but it wasn't 100% aligned to me i think deep down i'm a great writer but i'm like even better as a business owner. Like I have like crazy business intuition, great at psychographics and marketing. And I'm like an exceptional people manager and like team like leader. So when I think about the next iterations of the business, I actually don't know that I'll keep doing the writing myself. Like I think mm-hmm. eventually my goal is to do more like CEO visionary kind of work, but um, it's been interesting. I think even just like in the like personal development side of things, like really getting a look at, what feels good for me. I have a lot of different, like almost like general strengths, but I think for me, it's been great, um, figuring out like in each season, like what, what skills do I need to hone in on and lean into? So it's like for one season I was the copywriter. And then now I'm kind of in this space where it's like building a really strong team around me. Um, just cause I've always, I've always known I, I needed a team. Like my vision is very large and it, it, it just can't, be me. And so I can't do all the things. So what, what are the things that I think I can, you know, deliver the most value and then have really great people around me that also care about what I'm doing that are just as into it as I am, that can help support the vision and, and all the things that we're going to go do.
0: Yeah. I love that. And can you talk a little bit about your apprenticeship model with your agency? Cause it's different than any that I've seen around Yeah, how, how so you deal with that and how that works. Yeah. So the apprenticeship
1: model, basically my belief is instead of running a typical agency, which is, I see a lot of done for you service providers in the online space in general, like we saw in like 2020 2021 there's like a ton of coaching i've i'm seeing a lot of pivoting to being a done for you service provider so you're either going to be like a bookkeeper cfo like sarah is you're going to be a copywriter like i am maybe you're a graphic designer virtual assistant online business manager you know whatever it is people are switching to this done for you service model but what tends to happen is if you're the only person on your team you're kind of capped out at you only have so many hours in a day. You can only make so much money. And it's, I think for done for you service providers that I think that threshold to like, actually be able to pay yourself a lovable wage. The secret number I've always had in my head is like, you need to be pulling in a 12 K month is usually like about where it needs to be after expenses and everything. And so with done for you work, you really hit that threshold pretty quickly. Like you're, you're right at it, but it's every month chasing Hoping things hit. So I think when I started to explore it, I kind of knew like I want to have a team around me, but a lot of Done For You service providers do a, a traditional agency model where, like for copywriters, for example, they're like, we're gonna do all things copywriting, end to end. We're gonna do, we'll write your stuff, we'll implement your stuff. we we'll, so they're like kind of like a social media manager and an online business manager and a copywriter. And for me, and our clients, like they really value, I, it's the copy, but it's the, they want the quality of the copy to be like exactly what their brand looks like. And what I've seen in a lot of agency models, not all, but in, in my space in particular, a lot of times what happens is the agency model is great and that it gets things done and you check a box, but the very first thing to go is the quality of the writing. So it's either you've got, oh, I've got five bookkeeper clients amazing. I'm collecting all this money when in reality, if you look at the back end, they're writing for a formula for all bookkeepers. And then they're just kind of like plugging and chugging in things. And I've, I've talked to uh, clients before where they're like, yeah, I hired this marketing agency and it just never fully felt like me. I felt like mm-hmm. I was a number mm-hmm. versus what my philosophy is, is like, we don't, we don't really work from a formula. Like my, my staff and I work pretty much for the most part from a blank document and it's very customized to our people and their voice because they're all so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just found that for our clients, for us, like that just feels better. I will never be like a full service. We'll implement it for you. We'll post on your behalf. Well, you know, that that's not my vibe. It's like I care more about the quality of the writing. And those are the things that also end up converting people as well as like that when you can really focus in on that. Um, I'm sure there's places that do implementation too, but I just find- the caliber of what we write is so much better and so much um, higher converting that it's not really a big um, issue. Most of them tend to, you know, want to stick around. But as far as the apprenticeship side of that, how that works is, um, so our staff they're they're usually like one of three types of people. So they are, I'll say, writers generally. I either have your kind of first type of person is a someone working in nine to five. They're probably a writer uh, in there or like a communications professional, but they're just looking to like have some side hustle money coming through. So they don't want to do what is typical in the online space where you have to have a brand and content and all these things just to find clients. Like they don't really want to do that. They just want to be like, you know, have have their one or two clients a month on the side and they're just making a little bit of extra cash. So I have Mm -hmm. that kind of person. I have more of like your, your classic freelancer who will, you know, they can kind of just do like jack of all trades. Like I'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So I have like one writer in particular who started out with us last summer as a writer and was writing for clients. And then she can just kind of like, do anything. Um, and so we've actually promoted her to be our podcast coordinator and like marketing coordinator in the background. So she's almost like my executive VA. Like she does all of the the stuff that I don't want to do. Um, and that's like tucking stuff in and details, which is like not my thing. Um, and then my third type of person, which I, I would say is more of your traditional, like I'm a copywriter. I'm trying to create a copywriting business, but I don't have the clients yet to support me doing this all on my own. So my philosophy in all things is usually like when I win, everybody wins. So instead of being like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, have all these monthly recurring clients and go through and, um, you know, do it myself. Why not like profit share essentially, or share, share the revenue with somebody. So I get to benefit from having monthly revenue, recurring revenue in my business, but also giving other copywriters who need some stability and the money that they're bringing home until their business grows, Mm -hmm. um, kind of sharing that, that with them. So they still get paid. I still get paid. Um, and then there's a mentorship element to it as well. Mm -hmm. So all of our, our staff writers, um, basically I, I teach copywriters how to fish. So instead of just being like, okay, cool, here's your deliverables, deliver them and they're done. All of our staff writers get a monthly one-on-one with me where we'll first and foremost talk about like the process, what happened last month? Did you have any questions about your feedback? And then in the second half, whatever time is remaining, they can basically come to me with any questions that they have. I've done sessions with people where they're like, I really want to learn how to write a sales page. Can we talk through this? Will you show me what it looks like? I have some copywriters who are like, Oh, I need to change my offer suite. Like, can you like more business coaching? Uh, so I come in and I mentor them on whatever, whatever their goals are, like helping them figure out how to make more money with writing or like sometimes I have people who are like my nine to five sucks like I need to argue for a promotion. Mm. what do I do? So it's kind of giving people the space to get um, some type of education. So that's kind of like my approach with the apprenticeship model, but it's a beta test for a bigger concept that I want to have. So mm. I'm a big believer like good ideas can come from anywhere, uh, especially in entrepreneurship but a lot of times um, entrepreneurs just don't have, the capital or funds to start a business. So there's all kinds of like golden handcuffs holding people to, you know, whatever it is. The thing that I care most about is for, I'll say traditionally marginalized communities. So BIPOC, LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs who maybe don't have, I'll, I'll say they don't have the same privilege, whether that looks like I don't have money to go to college, I don't have a network that can support me to be able to start a business. I don't have capital sitting around to Pay for startup fees, that kind of thing. So eventually, I want to create, and I'm on the on track to create, basically this education brand that outperforms and outpaces a traditional MBA program. Mm-hmm. Um, in doing it, the goal is like, for example, I want to have a co working space and a coffee shop one day for people to actually work from. On the front end, it just looks like a cool place to hang out. Mm-hmm. On the back end, it's actually run by people who are in this apprenticeship program or this incubator who are BIPOC LGBTQ plus like people who um, need some sort of support. So they, they not only work from the coffee shop, they get paid um, to work there, of course, but they're paid well. And we also teach them all of the business side of things. So if you, for example, wanted to open a restaurant or something um, you would work in the restaurant, so you get real experience, but we also um, the apprenticeship side of things. It's almost like a rotational program, like you would see in a corporate structure. But in this program, um, our people would also learn, like, how do you manage a team? How do you manage an- inventory for a kitchen? How do you manage prep for a kitchen? Uh, what do the financials need to look like? Like, how? Like, what does that look like? How do we manage it? How do we navigate really you know, high seasons? How do we navigate really low seasons? So they get on the ground education and actual experience experience cuz i don't think i think moving forward we're going to see the american education system like significantly shift in the in the next coming years i don't think entrepreneurs are going to be going to traditional education programs and and entrepreneurs don't need an mba like everyone i talked to you that's like do, do you use your mba they're like no like my i have a masters in pr and it was mm-hmm. like there's so much privilege in this but it was kind of a joke like it, I didn't really learn anything like I didn't feel like I like I didn't feel like I earned it and I just remember sitting there being like God I I've spent all this money and you know I spent all this time doing this and it's supposed to be this like very you know prestigious thing and I just feel like this like there there would be so many better ways to do this and learn on the ground but you know we think that's what the definition of success that's going to get you there when most entrepreneurs, will say like the the best way to learn is like throw me into the fire and like teach me how to fish basically. So that's kind of my whole, whole concept. So the apprenticeship runs with that philosophy in mind. Um, but it's just the beta version of the program, um, Mm -hmm. for copywriters, but eventually it'll be in kind of all verticals of the business, but, uh, testing it this year, it's going really well. And I think even for me, like for a staffing solution, you get better um, you get better staffers. I always get the question, like, aren't you afraid that your staff's going to leave you? Like, what about loyalty? And I'm like, my staff is hella loyal. Like they actually (laughs) love, like we do pay better than like what they would get uh, if they were just like out in it with you know, without the agency, like they mm-hmm. still get um, paid a little bit better, and they get the benefit of mentoring. They can slack me if they have any questions. Mm-hmm. Um, they they get good feedback and can learn through things. They also get to use our wins in their portfolios. I share those wins mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Um, so it's it, mo- most. Of, I've never had someone be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm leaving." Like most of yeah. them are like, "I I will literally." like I just had a, had one of our writers start a full-time job mm-hmm. um, with Air Canada, like a really big contract role. And she was like, I, and I asked her, I was like, if you, if you need to prioritize that, like no harm, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can always add you back in. And she was like, no, I'm not like giving up the candid collective opportunity. Like I, I will do whatever I can to stay on staff. And which is kind of crazy. Like even, even kind of what we talked about in the corporate thing where it's like, you can create whatever you want and yeah. like just being told for so long, like, like, oh no, you can't do that. I'm like, okay, well, I thought this was a good idea. And just having people buy into it, Mm -hmm. um, is really, really cool. And like really gratifying. Um, no, like I've always wanted to create jobs and stuff like that. And it's really cool knowing like, I, like my, my visions can do that. And it's not just about, again, my concept is always like when I win, everybody wins. So the more, the more revenue I bring in, the better, Clients I attract in, like I'm not only helping like myself, and when I'm able to pay myself, like I also get to help employ and like give money to really incredible people who are just like some of the best humans I've ever met. So it's it's kind it's a win win for everybody. There's like I I, don't there's it's it doesn't feel like gross. Like I don't know making money. You know it feels good being able to to make money and and support like really good people, really good humans.
0: Yeah. It's so refreshing because it's like to keep people, you have two options. You can either tighten the reins and put more rules and restrictions and um, oversight on them, which, you know, just makes them more unhappy or you can flip it and make them happier, which is what you're doing. And it's like, if you're worried about people leaving, then just make it the best freaking place to work in the world. Like it's just common sense to, to me. And I think you, but Um, it's just so refreshing that you have that focus on education and teaching them to fish. And that, because it, it is, you know, moving towards the abundance mindset and like, there's plenty of, clients. There's plenty of people like totally it can all work out. We can all be happy. So totally. Yeah. I mean, we
1: even have on our, like our Slack channel for the company, we have something, it's just like the job board basically. And so it's like, sometimes I'll get people who like for it's especially for like monthly content stuff that comes through where they're like, well, we have a process internally and we just need a blog writer to do this every single week. And I'm like, eh, no, we do a monthly, like Mm -hmm. we're a monthly process. Like I'm not willing to do anything outside of that. So I'll sometimes have people who are like a good fit. And I, I like, I'm kind of bummed, like we don't get to take them on as a client, but I, I know I have freelancers and on staff who could easily pick something up that they, you know, they can manage the timeline. I remove myself from it, but um, you know, they still get kind of access and and everything to those opportunities if it aligns with them. So it's, it's great, like getting to like mentor people. And, and I, I never really worry about like, we do have a non-compete, of course, like with our current clients and, and everything. Um, but it's really nice knowing that these, these people that they also have a dream of writing. Like there's none of this, like, oh, I'm a starving artist. Like I remember thinking like, I'll never make money as a writer. <laughs> I'm like making more than I did in my corporate job. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily in take home pay all the time, but I mean, talk to me in two years and I'm going to be like, bye. like, <laughs> and, and, and set up for you know, for, for life of, of what I'm wanting to do. So, um, I just think that the being, being able to kind of have that mindset there, there literally every business needs a copywriter, every mm-hmm. single business needs a copywriter. So if I have that mindset, mm-hmm. like who, who cares if my staff goes out and gets like some of the clients, who cares if there's 15,000 other copywriters on Instagram, like mm-hmm. they're one. also not us. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just something where I'm like the, the, uh, abundance there is, is, they're, they're they're all over. Like there are clients all around at Mm -hmm. any given time. So it's kind of nice. Um, the more I let go of that, the better, um, the more things that tend to come my way. So it's, it's nice, um, Mm -hmm. getting to help people find their own financial freedom in whatever terms that looks like for them too.
0: Yeah. So you have a pretty robust team now of an OBM of staff copywriters, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we started working together back in November of 2021, it was either just you, or maybe you had a VA, but I think you were doing all the writing, right? I was doing, I think
1: I'd scaled back and I had one, I had an OBM, but it was honestly operating more like a VA at that point. So I a VA. Um, I had a coach that helps me a lot, um, mm-hmm. which is like general strategy and stuff, but I, yeah, I didn't have um, much of a team. I'd kind of scaled up to having a couple staff writers and I would scale back down because I kind of learned what I actually needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was running really lean for a while. Um, mm-hmm. which that, that was a crazy time. That was like, not, not my favorite time in the business. It was just a lot of, of work and writing, which, I mean, there's always, you know, work to do, but that was a very chaotic time. But yeah, we were pretty uh, two people, I would say maybe mm-hmm maybe two people and nobody full-time, all contractors.
0: So I think I've heard the story, but can you remind me if you're comfortable sharing why you made the decision to hire a CFO?
1: Yeah. So I, I did not go to business school. So I, um, for me, I think I had kind of like, I I knew enough about finance. I'd done all the research I'd been doing like my own spreadsheets and stuff. um, as far as, you know how do I calculate profit and loss and everything? And it just felt like so chaotic all the time. I felt like I was always missing stuff. So like my books were never actually accurate. Um, it just felt horrible. And it, it I got to this point, and I remember like sitting with my parents. I'd recently been dumped, and like my boyfriend had helped me with rent a couple of times where I was like, Fuck, I owe him money. And I I was sitting there and I was like, This is this is dumb. Like, I remember sitting and being like, I'm having. Huge clients come through, but I also am like struggling every month to either pay myself or I felt like I was like always two weeks behind on invoices and stuff. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get like a forecast mm-hmm. and, and understand like what I was doing wrong. And, and now looking back, I was like, oh, I just, I didn't know about a cash flow forecasting tool. Like I didn't know some of the basic finance stuff that you need to know. I knew a lot and I, I, I am not a typical creative and that I just kind of like bebop around and like create shit and like don't look at my numbers like mm-hmm. I know my numbers yeah. and Sarah will always tell me she's like she's like I'm just so impressed that you always update the cash flow forecast I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm in there as soon as it happens like that's the first action I take. I don't even send the invoice like I, I update the <laughs> forecasting tool. Um, but I didn't have like a lot of tools and resources like that. so it's it's mm-hmm. almost like I didn't know what I didn't know right And there's only like there is only there's kind of a threshold of like, I just needed to be exposed to things. I can pick things up, but I need exposure to the stuff that I don't know yet. And I remember sitting at my parents' kitchen table and being like, look, guys, I know I have this like sum of money over here that I would love to pay myself a few months in advance. And I like, I prepared this like huge document. I was like, here, here, here's my argument and proposal of why I think you should let me borrow my own money that I have set aside, but you have access to. Mm -hmm. And it was like, here's what my numbers have looked like. Like clearly my revenue is increasing. Mm -hmm. My expenses are low, but I'm still new at this. And I, I don't, I was kind of like every month was like, well, first month or first year out, like, I don't really know what the high seasons and low seasons look like. Like I'm just, trying my best. And so I remember sitting there at the kitchen table being like, could I just like use some of this money and, you know, basically give myself a cash infusion, pay, pay my ex-boyfriend back for some stuff, um, you know, pay a couple of months rent in advance. So I don't have to worry about that. And I'm not just like constantly in like major famine mode all the time. Like is there something that will calm my nervous system? And it was actually my mom. who's like, you know, I feel like what you really need is like a finance person. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what do you mean? I need a finance person. She's like, yeah, I think. And I'd, I'd written some stuff for Sarah. Um, and I was like, actually, you know, I kind of know a girl that does that. I wonder if that's what she does. (laughs) Um, and then I kind of like, I remember like voice memoing you and being like, is this something you can help me with? And then realizing like very quickly, like, oh, this is what like I need to have in the business. And so then talking with you, like it was a little bit of a, okay, like, you know, is this the the next right hire for the team? And it, um, absolutely was. And I think, I mean, even, I think we started working together in November and then I had like, I don't even remember the number anymore, but like some crazy growth in Q1 after like finally getting things evened out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think for me, it kind of, I I'd been wasting so much mental energy, trying, trying to learn the finance stuff and also feeling shitty that I couldn't figure out the finance stuff. Mm -hmm. And then like Sarah beams down and she's like, Hey, here's a spreadsheet (laughs) that you can use that you can use. Hey, here, like just stuff that I just would never, again, for the argument of exposure, like, I just didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And it's, it, it's not necessarily my zone of genius. I'm, I'm gifted as a CEO and that I, I do care about the numbers and I, and I, that is a big driver for me, but I also like having to be in the details of it. Like you lose me. It's like, mm-hmm. I need the high level and I can, and I can kind of do the rest, but the, okay, how do we get the accurate books? I don't care. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to do my own QuickBooks bookkeeping mm-hmm. shit. Like I don't want to do that. And so it's been really good. Like freeing up. I, I honestly think a lot of the fast growth we've had this year so far is because I have had kind of a solid foundation in place now financially to where like my big motivator is now no longer, Oh my God, can I cover this next invoice or what's the number that I need to make this month? And what's the sales goal? And Oh God, like I, I am, I can have now more of an abundance mindset, I think, and just be like, and I'll tell Sarah, I'm like, you know, I don't really know why. And when people come through, like, I wish I could tell you, it just like is random and this is how it is, but I can focus more on like, I know if I can show up and just talk about my services, Mm -hmm. people are attracted in and they want to work with me. So if I can focus on that energy every, I mean, I think pretty much every month it's like, I'm either at the same revenue close or like I have a few thousand over. It's like, when I can focus on that energy, like my, my financial plan is just like focus on revenue growth and the rest will come. Um, and Mm -hmm. I I think that's, for me, it's been good getting to like clear up that mental energy for myself to be able to do that.
0: We talk about that a lot in our meetings about how clients just kind of show up unexpectedly sort of out of nowhere for you all the time. And as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about on this podcast, I realized like that's how we got connected is that I was looking for a graphic designer for a side project. I always have like a ton of side projects going on because I'm the investing generator. And (laughs) (laughs) so I reached out to somebody who like from a blog that I had read years ago and I knew that she had designed something and, um, ended up not moving forward with her, but just like off the top of my head I was like, Oh, I actually also have this copywriting thing I need done. Um, which is the friends quiz. And she's like, Oh, I know this girl, Kendall, who could help you with that. And so it wasn't even like what I had gone there for. And then she ended up
1: introducing us. I think how all like mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, like
0: all connections, that's kind of how it, it works too. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So one other thing I want to ask you is part of what we deliver as Even for bookkeeping clients, too, is visual reports with um, like, you know, pretty little pie graphs. I think they're pretty because I'm an accounting Mm -hmm. nerd, but (laughs) (laughs) charts and graphs and things like that. So, is there something on those reports that you get every month that has changed, um, I guess, the way that you're making decisions from before or things that you pull from that and value that you get from it?
1: Yeah, I think it's helpful for me, like as I, I'm going through and like hiring, like, for example, we converted a staff writer into a podcast extraordinaire, executive VA. It's kind of helped me take a look at like, what what's my percent allocation for expenses has been helpful. Mm-hmm. The thing I get probably the most value with is like year to date revenue is really mm-hmm. helpful for me too, just because like even like year to date, I think year to date profit compared to last year is like already higher than where it was for the entire year. So that, that for me is like a big motivator. Cause it, I can see like the big picture. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. it's like month over month or like week over week when I'm like, Jesus, I'm like <laughs> an invoice. Like what the heck? Or I'll, I'll have clients who are like, sorry, like couldn't pay. Or it's like, Oh, I was on vacation. Like, here's the other thing. I'm like, Oh my, like the, the week over week, just like sometimes the financial stress of being still kind of in, not startup phase, but like get getting to like sustainable phase. I'm kind of like in the middle of there. Like sometimes that can be like a total mental drain. So sometimes it's nice just having the number being like, Oh yeah. See, you don't suck. It's just, it feels really hard in like in the thick of it. Um, or like I'll have again, because of the way like clients find me, like, and I think service provider world as well. Like this is kind of how it goes. Like sometimes I'll sign like three clients in a week and then I won't sign new people for like two or three weeks. And Mm -hmm. so it's, there's like those days when you're like, okay, like tap, tap, tap. When, when's the next person going to come? Like I got an invoice coming through what's going to happen. Um, and so I think having that number is really motivating for me just to be like, okay, like last month was really hard, but like in the grand scheme, here's where you're at. And it's not, you know, you can have, you know, a 3k higher month, one month and 3k lower the next month. And it evens out. And I think that's kind of what helps me keep my sanity a little bit. Um, and also knowing, um, just like in monthly recurring revenue too, like what I are already have as a baseline and everything else is kind of like, I hate to say it because my last name is cherry, but the cherry on top. (laughs) Um, but I've used that joke a million times, but, but it's, I, I hate, you know, I, I think that is helpful as well as, as being able to kind of see the baseline and, and know like, okay, like this week it's, it was hard, but you know, on the first I'm going to make X amount of money like that, that I think feels really good as well. just having like those kinds of reports and things to, to lean on even just like mindset wise. Cause otherwise you'll just sit in it and just like there's days when I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm a, like a failure. What am I doing? Like, do I need to go get a real job? And I'm like, no, I don't need a new job. I just need to look at my year to date revenue and profit. And I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's just the, you know, when, when you're in it and the the day to day of it, it's like really easy to lose sight of those kind of things.
0: Yeah. I think there'll always be that little roller coaster when you own your own business. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's just, it's just how, ha- just how it goes. And it's, mm-hmm. it's being able to ride the wave, like good or yeah. bad.
0: Yep. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I am definitely so inspired by you and love that you're one of my clients and that I get to learn from your business Yay. model because you know bookkeeping is kind of a similar done- for you service where um, I can take inspiration from what you're doing as I build my own. Yeah um, And so the last question that I ask everybody is, if you could tell Kendall a year ago anything, what would it be? And feel free to give any context or anything about where you were a year ago? Oh
1: gosh, a year
0: ago. I would have
1: been in June. Um, I would say like, I, I think for me, the, the hardest part was like start like starting something brand new. Cause I just started the copywriting concept and just feeling like, Oh my gosh, like I can't do this. Like you know, I've got money coming in and then I don't. And like, just kind of like going through like, eh, is this mine? Is it not mine? Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is it not what I'm supposed to do? Um, and just kind of like really sitting down and, and I think I did a good job of this, but I think, um, I, I wish I would have gripped onto it a little bit sooner, but this idea of like, just put in the time, like Mm -hmm. all new things, all new endeavors, like, I had a 10 K month as soon as I first like first month out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I had a couple like six K months, eight K months, and it wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. Um, but I think being okay with like understanding all of these like quick revenue wins that you see on the internet, there's a lot of bullshit out there. A lot of people are not honest about it or they don't share like, Oh yeah, I made a 20 K month and I have 15 K in expenses. So is that really like you know, is that really worth like what you're doing? And I think for me, um, looking back a year ago, I wish I would have been a little bit more comfortable with like, okay, this is going to take time. Um, all good things take time and not looking for like quick results or those kinds of things. Um, and kind of sit sitting and sinking into this, the idea of sustainable, (laughs) um, versus I, I don't, I'm not a big like launch person. I don't do a lot of like cash infusion, Uh, type of things. Like I'm not launching products, um, you know, all the time, but Mm -hmm. um, I have other ways of getting cash infusions in the business. And I think for me, um, just being okay with like sitting back, not doubting myself, but thinking like a reframing, like this does take time. This Mm -hmm. does take like integration as well. Like even when it feels like, oh my God, copywriting is my last ditch effort. Like, I think I've changed my messaging and I'm a copywriting person, and I'm changing my messaging <laughs> this much. So, like, hopefully, that's expansive to hear. But, um, you know, I change my messaging probably once a quarter just to test things out. And the more I work with people, the clearer it becomes mm-hmm. uh, for me. And so, I think um, being okay with like that iterative process. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think there's a lot of just like general conditioning, like being a perfectionist and a people pleaser, mm-hmm. like. There's a lot of that, that, that does come into my business because my business is an expect and it is an extension of my personal self and it's like projected into the business. So it's like the people pleasing or perfectionism, like be- getting a handle on that. I also have a ton of corporate conditioning around, like, you know, we need to be efficient. So this needs to be right the first time or right throughout right. the door where it like entrepreneurship, like. I, I mean, I've had like five business models I've tested out that, mm-hmm. you know, there were good things to all of them that they didn't end up sticking around where I think um, it, iterations don't have to equal failure and it it just equals more like learnings and and things you can apply later on. And so being okay with like that, iter- like the time it takes to iterate and the mm-hmm. time it takes to, um, to to get to where you're wanting to go. I think my general rule of thumb is like, I am always like a, and you, and you know, this, my calls, I'm like, I'm going to make 5k more monthly recurring revenue in in a month. And you're like, Kendall, what about if we just like, you know, (laughs) let's make it a very conservative goal. So you don't feel like shit if it doesn't happen, but I'm like, no, we're going to go balls (laughs) to the walls. Um, and I think that's my conditioning
0: as an accountant.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the thing is like, um, being very okay with like how iterative things are and, and slowing down because I do want something that does feel sustainable. So, um, being okay with the the fact that like what I want to do does take time and sometimes time can look like new iterations. Sometimes time can look like time off and rest, which is like very, you know, a lot of people in the entrepreneurship space, like we do still, um, celebrate hustle culture, but I, I think, you know, sometimes it's okay to take time even to slow down or time Mm -hmm. to explore, um, versus just this, like, all right, I'm my first year in and I need to make a 20 K month, like right out of the gate. Like that still has not happened for me yet. We've gotten achingly close, but like, we're not there yet. Um, and being okay with that and, um, you know, being, being comfortable with what comes, comes through and like what happens over time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, that's great, yeah um, the messy action is entrepreneurship is so much messier than corporate, right? (laughs) I think that's a big learning curve for everybody who does that. So yeah, thank you again so much for being here. It's been such a great, um, time to hear your story and your business model. Um, where can people find you and what do you have, uh, to talk about with tiny email lists?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can find me, my website is candidcollective.co. Um, I am on Instagram. That's probably like the best way to get in touch with me. If you have questions about copywriting stuff or just anything that we talked about here today, like agency models, um, my vision, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, My Instagram is candid or at candid collective co. Um, I post a lot of great content as far as like educational stuff. I'm also all over stories and do a lot of Q and A's and just like, Brain downloads of you know what I think about things, so you can always DM me there um, if you have questions and stuff like that. I am also recently on TikTok. If you're into TikTok, um, my handle is at Candid Collective. It is the most humbling experience. <laughs> it is like every person I've talked to has been like, I, I've asked like, okay, what's the strategy? Like, how do you grow on TikTok? They're like, I literally don't know, and I'm like, this <laughs> is so stupid. Like, nobody knows. I'm like you're literally a drop in the ocean and like playing an algorithm. Like, am I going to be TikTok famous or not? It's insane. So <laughs> I I am not quite trying to be a TikTok famous person. I'm just trying to put good valuable stuff out there, but I'm also in TikTok um, and there's a podcast launching in August uh, called rebels get revenue. And it's basically how to make money as a small business owner, as a service provider. Uh, but the philosophy of you don't have to have a huge, Following, you don't have to have a huge, you know, number of subscribers, podcast listeners to still make money in your business. So we kind of debunk that whole um, thing. Uh, and then, oh, tiny ass email list. So I have a tiny ass email list. It's like three hundred people. Um, but other than referrals, it's been kind of the way um, our second place of conversion for clients. And you know, we don't do anything really crazy. We don't have any fancy funnels running over. Um, but it's a huge reason why just a year after, um, you know, starting the copywriting business, I was able to get to six figures in revenue so quickly, which is, um, super great. So it's a, it's a freebie. It's basically what to send uh, your email list. It's a year of email prompts. And I think Sarah has the link for, um, that if you want to check it out in the show notes. Um, yeah, I just, I think email is like one of the most underrated marketing tools that people have. Um, some of our clients have like very, very like under hundred, under 50, um, people on their email lists and they're still signing clients with the content we write. So it's all this belief of like, I, I'm not going to start an email list until I'm really ready. And until I get a thousand people are on it, or I'm going to ghost until I get more people. It's like, mm, no, you can, you can make money today from your email list. So, um, I kind of teach and talk about that stuff on online a lot as well.
0: Yeah. I will leave all those links and the show notes. And I definitely am a new believer of email as well. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It is. It's a, uh, it definitely
1: changed the the game for me and my business. I'm mm-hmm. like, every day I'm like, thank God I had an email list when I pivoted. Cause it, yeah. I signed people from my email list, like the, the very first month. That's like a huge yeah. reason why, why
0: I was you was that big pivot. Month. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review. This helps spread the word about the podcast and help other business owners just like yourself grow their profitable businesses that pour over into their life. And if you haven't already, please connect with me on Instagram at Books. See you next time.